Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans. Brett Balantini here hosting Southside Sox podcast number 37, and it is a special one. I hope you're feeling special inside. We are recording on the eve of opening day uh, because that's just how we roll because we want to get this to you as soon as possible. First thing in the morning on opening day, so you can listen to it maybe a couple times. Maybe you'll even watch. I have with me Super Joseph Reeses, who I think you know from these opening day types of things, and also filling out the remainder of the Indianapolis uh, office of Southside Sox would be Crystal O'Keefe. Once again, you know her from these sorts of things. Trevor Lines, hopping on from Louisville. You know him from the Dugout Metrics podcast and also some very incisive analysis on the site. Unfortunately, some of it is proving astute and depressing, and we will not talk to him about that because we don't want to be depressing. And Colleen Sullivan, who is well, she's going to trash talk. I think she's going to trash talk the Royals, but she might just get the whole pre-opening day segment because nobody can do it like her. We're going to start the first half of welcome to opening day. It's been a long time. It's been two full years since we've actually had a proper opening day in the city of Chicago. And of course, this isn't a proper one because limited fans, no tailgating, no fun allowed, but legitimate reasons so please continue masking up and don't cough on folks but we're going to start a little dour because it was a three and four uh, road trip to start the season i think anybody reasonably would have said maybe four out of seven would have been a good road trip so uh not devastatingly bad but boy the way they wound it up today in losing a chance at sweeping uh, a very sweepable mariners team uh, was pretty depressing and there were some tough moments during the road trip so 
I guess the question I'll throw out is, uh, what are some of the concerning takeaways from this first week of the season in the three and four record? Defense. The bullpen. (laughs) (laughs) There's not just one correct answer. (laughs) I'm like, do you, like, do you need a top 10 list? Like, what do you want here? (laughs) How about projecting for the season? You know, I mean, obviously there's going to be some, you know, there's things we can micromanage and say there's, and then there's things that happen maybe consistently over this first week, whether the game ended in a win or not, uh, bullpen and bullpen management, I think is one that certainly jumps out. Defense is certainly one that jumps out. So uh, listen, there's no wrong answer here. There are a couple of things that were kind of billed as strengths that might not be the strengths, well, it's, it's probably an overreaction to say that this early on in the season. But, yeah, you touched on it just a moment ago with the bullpen and the bullpen management. It was generally believed in the preseason, and I kind of believe this still, that the bullpen is going to be one of the bigger strengths of this team. I don't think a few bad games is going to change that at the beginning of the season, but it certainly was a disappointing first week of the season for the bullpen and LaRusa even admitted himself that it was a lousy game management on his part in this game to, today, having uh, a relief, like the relievers who normally pitch and should pitch in high leverage situations did not get to pitch in the highest leverage situation when the Mariners were rallying in the bottom of the six. Like that was not good. And I figured that in-game management would kind of be one of LaRusa's strengths and I kind of figured like that would be one of the upsides to having him as a manager. I figured the it would continue to be kind of a PR nightmare, it, kind of throughout the season. But I figured like at least some of the in-game management stuff. He's he's very experienced. He'll know what relievers to use and when. But early on in the season, that just has not been been the case. I'm going to use this moment to welcome. Tommy Barbie into the room as uh, somebody else can take a shot at the uh, dunk tank of uh, disappointments in this first week of the season. Or maybe that was it. Maybe there's nothing else to be disappointed about. Like I have to agree with Joe because one of the big selling points that they used to justify LaRusa to everybody who was like, Oh my God, this is the stupidest thing in the world is, oh, he's a great in-game manager. He's so good at managing the bullpen. He knows what to do and all of these situations because he's a Hall of Fame manager and he's so fucking great. <laughs> okay, well, that can happen at any time, at any moment now. Like, why are you leaving Foster in as long as you did? Why didn't Liam Hendricks come in and against the Angels in a high leverage situation? Like, these are legitimate questions. Like, and yay, he took responsibility for that stuff in the post game. But like, you were billed to us as like this great in-game manager who knows what to do with the bullpen and all this other stuff. And quite frankly, like, did you put Foster out and fucking forget that he was there? Like, are you watching the game? Like, did you fucking fall asleep? What is going on in that dugout? Ladies and gentlemen, speaking on behalf of White Sox Twitter, it's Colleen Sullivan, and she is not having it. I am so glad I joined when I did. I came in just in time, and I am so delighted that I'm here now. This is amazing. 
<sighs> yes, it is the optimistic preview of opening day in Chicago <laughs> here with the Southside Sox crew. Uh, okay. I mean, look, I'm a Mets fan. Okay. A bullpen implosion does not scare me. All right. Look, I've been watching the Mets for years. That's nothing new to me. But also, the Mets don't have Tony LaRusso being told that he's so great. He's so good at the bullpen. But what do I know? <laughs> I'm not a Hall of Fame baseball person. <laughs> Get off hey, the fence. Tony has a video, video game mind after him. I think it's kind of an unclear opinion. <laughs> yeah, I think we can throw out the notion that, uh, you know, we have to go in with this preconceived notion, like somehow we were the suckers at the used car lot buying into the idea that Tony LaRusso is going to be this miracle work with a bullpen. Yeah, okay, it's great. He obviously was a revolutionary, and we understand that he invented closers. Uh, and so forth. And, uh, but, you know, we can, I think, if nothing else this week throws that out, and now we can just say, all right, in spite of perhaps what he's doing, uh, or his learning curve, I mean, listen, it's great, he's admitting, hey, you know, I, I screwed up, fine. Uh, we're not supposed to be on a learning curve here. Um, so in, hopefully, in spite of that, this bullpen can outperform even Tony's decisions and, and maybe Ethan Katz finds his voice at some point. I know this is all new to him as well, but you can find his voice to say, Hey, Hall of Fame baseball person. Let me take this one. I don't know. Should there really be that much of a learning curve? I mean, this, this isn't Robin Ventura that we're talking about. Like this is somebody that has been around baseball for a long time. And even though he wasn't managing, he was still in baseball and he's out there. I mean, hell, some of the decisions he's making, we could take polls on Twitter and probably get a better outcome than what's actually happening as far as in-game decisions are concerned. Hey, Bill Vec had the fans behind the dugout exactly. holding the cards <laughs> up, steal, change pitcher. It's a thought. It would get fans engaged. We could just do it with the, so with the social media, uh, with the 21st century social, social media move. Um, uh, oh, let me throw this one at you, given that we cannot get off of Tony La Russa, uh, a almost member of the Southside Sox crew, was invited several times, seemed engaged to be. Julie Swica, who you know from uh, sports radio of the past, I believe I saw a tweet of her saying, uh, speculating, will Tony La Russa be booed? on opening day for introductions and I'm not sure I'm not going to be there to boo him but uh we soured to that degree aside from the fact that he maybe deserves to be booed for having been hired in the first place he is the manager now I will boo him from my couch <laughs> I will turn this into like Sam I am I will boo him from <laughs> I don't even know what rhymes anymore I'm too tired but I will boo him I will I will boo him from the floor. Like, I will boo him out the door. Like, I will boo him from my seats. I will boo him in a tweet. Like he's going to get booed. If I was going, <laughs> yeah, I hope so. No, no. Like if I was going to opening day, I would boo the fucking shit out of him. Like, come on, man. So no, no I don't think, think this is how they drew it up. To me, the bigger yeah. question is: Will he notice that he's getting booed? Because I, I think even when they hired him, they knew that that was like. And is he going to care that he's getting booed? Short of the White Sox starting off with like a miraculous, like, you know, they win every game. You knew that this was going to be a controversial move to the point that more than likely the welcome at home isn't going to be that great. 
So I, I, I think no matter what, he's getting booed. It's just, I, I don't know if he'll care or notice. So just move along. Before we shift into positive things, uh, uh, Trevor, I'm going to uh, poke you on this one. Um, uh, we mentioned, we shouted out defense during the initial round robin of uh, when we were airing all our grievances, but we haven't really mined into that. Uh, is this White Sox defense, which has traditionally been shaky, uh, is it uh, beyond reproach? Is it irredeemable? Uh, can things change, Trevor? Yeah, I think so. Just to talk a little bit about LaRusse, I didn't really get my piece in, but I think that's the biggest <laughs> negative of the first seven games is I was one of the people that was going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And you're hearing all this stuff about how he has always been able to adapt. And as you mentioned, Brett, he was one of the pioneers of the closer. But at this point in time, the closer is kind of becoming a thing of the past. And really, you're supposed to use your guys in the highest le- leverage situations. And he so far hasn't done that. Um, the White Sox shift rate is way, way down in comparison to where they were at with Ricky Renteria. Um, that's another sort of new school philosophy that, according to analytics, really pays off. Um, and he hasn't really utilized that so far. Um, and then some of the lineup decisions as well have been questionable, especially with some of the White Sox depth concerns, especially with these injuries um, needing to keep that best group of guys on the field. I know he's taking it as a marathon, not a sprint and wanting to make sure everyone's engaged and staying, getting their reps in. But at some point you got to put your best lineup out there. Um, but as far as the defense goes, I'm not super, super concerned with it as much as others are. I think it's kind of a fluky thing where they've just run into a small sample size where they've been really, really bad defensively, but when you think about it, last year they had uh, above-average defense. Um, and I don't necessarily know – even 60 games is a somewhat small sample size, so I don't even necessarily know if it is above-average. But you have guys like Luis Robert, who by all accounts is going to be a perennial gold glover taking balls off the forehead. Um, those are some kind of fluky things that I don't necessarily think are sustainable. Um, the biggest question marks have been – what are we going to do in left field with Andrew Vaughn? How's he going to look? And he's, he's impressed me. He's caught the balls that are at him. And I know he had that little adventure in the corner last night, but that was a tough play in my opinion. And I, I don't know if Eloy is getting to that last year. Um, so I think that Madrigal by all accounts has been a plus defender for his whole career. He's dealing with a little bit of Maybe the yips, you might want to call it, are definitely kind of in his his own head. But I don't necessarily know if long-term the defense is something that is a major, major question mark as much as Larusa's in-game management. Okay, two questions. One to Trevor and then the the other to Trevor and then the, the rest of the field here. Okay, so Trevor, what you're trying to tell me is really the pin of this entire defense was Aloy Jimenez. Yeah, he's the staple. He's okay. the reason that they were up above average team last year defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and with him gone, it seems like the other guys are trying to have some sort of a tribute to him. So that's, that's touching. I mean, you're the analytics guy. I figured the analytics did point to that. Okay. To uh, Trevor, cause you just got out of your college career, but uh, all of us to some degree played. Uh, so I need to know from Trevor first and then anyone else, because this has been too serious a, a podcast so far for opening day. Uh, have you taken a ball off of your head in competition? I have not taken a ball off my head. I have dropped uh, a fair share of 
fly balls pop ups, but considerably different. Yeah, that's considerably yeah, different. different. You didn't yeah. actually take a header. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, the field. Any anyone in baseball? No. <laughs> okay, so now what I'm a volleyball? <laughs> basketball? <laughs> soccer. 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 Well, soccer. Okay, I hope. I think that's. I don't know much about soccer. I think that's how you're supposed to play it. Okay, cool. Um, I hit a I hit a ball in a batting practice once that went onto the other field and it hit a kid square on the top of the head and he went down like he was killed. As far as I know, maybe he's dead and I'm a wanted man. So this could be my last podcast, number thirty seven, Southside Sock. Uh, anyone? I mean, not that you have to admit it. I mean, this is enough of a public forum. You know, three people watch, but many more do listen. So uh, you might not want to cop to it if it did happen. I tend to run. I I can't if it's not an arm's length. I just run away from it if it's coming oh, towards my face. Okay. So no, I have not personally. That's um, that's if if you're not equipped, that's a that's a clever play. I will say in high school I did, but somebody was trying to throw me out, and as I was sliding from first to second, they threw very far to the second base side, and I took a softball on the side of the head. But that's really the extent of it. I was oh, a catcher. Yeah. I mostly got hit with bats. Yeah, I mean, that's just a CTA, CTE situation, Colleen. That We are not going to fault you for getting decked, like trying to steal or trying to take an extra base. That's that's called like hustle. You're a grinder. So what you're saying is you're a grinder. So <laughs> yeah, down with that, you know. Uh, okay, well, now that, we, <laughs> now that we have confessed our sins, uh, I suppose let's take a quick break and maybe talk about maybe positives that we can take out of this uh, first week. So um if you are watching, uh, try to figure out whose square represents who in the opening credits of The Brady Bunch, and we'll be back in just a second. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, the second's over, and it is podcast number 37, Southside Sox. It's the flagship. <laughs> You're on the flagship, guys. It's opening day. The, the excitement in this podcast is palatable. Uh, folks are just they're struggling to contain themselves. Uh, we talked about some clear negatives, uh, def- defense, Tony La Russa. Uh, uh, funny, uh, Tony La Russa, that was a negative months ago, and it's, it still lingers like a uh, smell. Positives to take out of this first week. They won three games. Uh, I think going in, I would have thought four and three would have been a fine, a fine start to the season, given a pretty rough trip. So they're really just one game back at that pace. That's not a pace you want to actually duplicate week to week to week, because we're going to be disappointed if that's the case. But uh, what did anyone see that made them enthusiastic about opening day, which is today, uh, or the rest of the season? Well, we very Oh, that player that will win Rookie of the Year and MVP this year. Um, 
the Yerminator, hmm. my new favorite. Okay. That's legit. Yeah, I will say Yerman was great. Loved seeing him finally. Um, I have to agree with Trevor. I do think the defense is going to get better. I don't think that this is going to be a longstanding thing. I think it just kind of, there was just like a collective ball of crap, we'll say, um, where the offense wasn't working, the defense caused problems, Tony LaRusso was himself. Um, but I think once the offense starts to get into their rhythm as the rest of the season goes, I think it's going to be a pretty good repeat of last year where we saw a lot of home runs, a lot of great hits, good base running in key situations. I don't think that these first few games were a great example of that. Um, but I feel like that's kind of one of those things that happens early on in the seasons for a lot of teams. Like they'll start off either they'll start off really shitty and then end up really well, or they'll start off really great and then like take the season. So I think it might still be a little early, but I cautiously optimistic on the team in general. Colleen Sullivan breaking away from uh, her representation of White Sox Twitter by being remarkably positive there. Well played, uh, Colleen. Cautiously optimistic. All right. Cautiously optimistic. Okay, who else is excited and giddy for opening day and the rest of the season based on what we saw in this last week? There are certainly things to be happy about. And this was kind of masked a little bit by the defense last night. But Lucas Giolito has so far... He's put up some very good numbers. Um, not like yesterday, the three earned runs in, in five and a third innings, that's very misleading. He really, none of those runs should have been earned as far as I'm concerned. And that just kind of spoke to how ERA is often a very noisy statistic. Um, but if you look at his peripherals, they've been very impressive so far. And his deserved ERA or expected ERA is right around two so far. So he's lived up to the hype so far. And that's been good to see. So if the um if we are correct in that the defensive issues are mostly correctable uh they then he could really put up a big season if he continues to throw the way that he has um in in, in theory i think trevor's research will will back the fact that theoretically for uh seven games the white Sox staff should have a zero era if there's any justice in the world it should have a zero era absolutely um and of course the Yerminator and even some unexpected offerings from Zach Collins. Like if Collins is able to continue um, hitting, you know, pretty well, it hasn't been anywhere near as good as the Yerminator so far, um, but Collins is hitting well enough so far. He's had an OPS of 794, which is above average. And that's, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting any kind of um, really above replacement level production from him uh, so I, that's if he can continue that up he'll be a pretty nice lefty bat to have on the roster i'm gonna go bottom squares one of the bottom squares for the win because i see two uh zach collins fanboys in in tommy and trevor so uh our catching situation seems solid at least yeah i i don't know if i'm sold on collins as a true catcher but for his bat, I am, he's right where I thought he would be um, in being a steady contributor. And I think 
he'll probably come uh, become a key in a lot of situations on offense for the Sox. I, I still have concerns about him actually playing catcher. If you close your eyes, he'll be fine. But I, I don't know if I want him playing there more than like once every so often. White Sox baseball 2021. If you close your eyes, you'll be fine. Close your eyes, you'll be fine. <laughs> uh, okay. Trevor, you um, wrote a piece uh, right as the season began that talked about sort of these, you know, because things you see need to see play out for this to be a successful season uh, without drawing upon any of that specifically in my brain, because I don't really have a brain at this point. It's been seven straight days and I'm here in the East. So uh, is there something that did jump out that, that uh, is heartening you that, you know, maybe speaking directly to uh, what you'd written to say, okay, this is, we're getting off to the right start. Yeah, I'm with Tommy on Collins' defense. We heard some reports in spring training about how he had improved defensively and improved framing-wise, but the early returns, granted it's only been two games, but the early returns have not been promising defensively for Collins. But offensively, throughout his minor league career, he's always performed really well. Um, he, I, I've harped on it quite a bit, but he walks a lot. He's going to hit for a lot of power. He's your typical three true outcomes guy, and I think that offensively, he's actually very similar potentially to a Grandall. Um, obviously, defensively, Grandall brings a lot more value. But um, I think my bold prediction in that article was that they would wind up with the same OPS this year. And offensively, he's looked like he's uh, been able to make it against big league pitching, um, at least early on. It may be too early to tell. Um, and then as far as... Um, some other positives that I've seen so far in the season. Um, it's been, uh, I would say, Kopech and Crochet out of the bullpen have both looked absolutely dominant. Those were two guys that we didn't necessarily know what we were going to get. Um, and then the back end of our rotation, Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon. Cease was still shaky um, location-wise and being able to spot that fastball. But both Cease and Rodon um, – drastically improved over their career norms as far as vertical drop on their fastball, which is something that they've kind of struggled with. Um, and I think five inches less vertical drop on Rodon's fastball and three inches less per cease. Um, that basically means that that fastball is going to be riding at the top of the zone. Um, and it's something that Lucas Giolito really worked on to make his fastball more of a swing and miss pitch at the top of the zone. Um, so those are super promising signs. I know both of them have done a lot of work with the core velocity belt and with Ethan Katz. Um, so the back end of the rotation, I think the White Sox pitching staff could be dominant um, throughout this season. And I really think that that is probably the strength of the team rather than the offense, which is kind of surprising considering how last year went. Speaking uh, to jump back to the, the catchers, I thought it was interesting that Larusa said the reason um... – Collins was 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 starting as uh, uh, Grandal was going to be playing the next two games in a row or so. It seemed like a very strange protection for Grandal, given this is a guy who, and I know part of the job of manager, there are jobs, there are responsibilities. Tony is to you know not run a catcher out for 162 games, but this is a guy we are really going to need to be playing a lot of games. And I guess maybe there's a thought of all right, let's just you know say we're gonna we might need him to play you know 30 straight in September, but. It's, it was interesting that he was already spacing Grandal out. I mean, again, not knowing whatever, what other off-field issues might be going on, the little nicks he might be having. But uh, I would like to see him running, Colin, forcing Collins out there as infrequently as possible. Um, but I guess, you know, hey, listen, 
he's he's the manager, uh, not me. And it would be nice uh, speaking to Crochet and Kopech, um to not have to press those guys into starting duty. I mean, it's been a sort of foregone conclusion that Kopech is the guy who might take starts, sh- very short starts, uh, if and when there's an inevitable injury. But wouldn't it be nice to be able to push that need for, say, a sixth starter for weeks, if not months? I mean, that's unrealistic, but we don't have a sixth starter. So uh, it is... It is potentially catastrophic for this great, as Trevor's saying, pitching staff, which shapes up to be a great pitching staff, if even one domino like that falls. So at this point, maybe Tony having the quick hook isn't a bad thing because you cannot risk any of these guys because there's there's nothing. I know that's very dour, but you know, somebody want to talk me off the ledge there? We got to negative I, already. We went back to negative. <laughs> I think here's part of my problem with Tony's response of, well, I, you know, Grundell's going to be playing a few games in a row. I wanted to sit him. Like this isn't little league. Not everybody gets to play all the time. Um, And I feel like that's what that response kind of is, right? Why are you paying all this money to have Liam Hendricks if you're not going to use him in that capacity? What's the point of having, you know, Yasmani Grandal, if he's not the everyday catcher. And yes, there is an argument to be made that, yeah, we definitely need a sixth starter. There is a gap there. Um, but if you're yanking, starting pitching really early, what does that do to the bullpen? You know, as the bullpen is still trying to get legs under it at this point, like what is yanking starting pitching early really doing here? Like at that point, you're just going to, it's just going to tire out the bullpen and then you're, you know, back to square one. Confidence as convoluted in, as that sounds. <laughs> confidence in Lance Lynn, uh, someone, please. Right now I'm a little bit thrown by the fact that he hasn't really been efficient. I understand defense has not done him any favors, certainly in the, his regular season start so far. I'm a little bit disappointed with what I, I've seen. Uh, am I seeing the wrong thing? No, I I think he hasn't been sharp, but I think he'll improve through the season. And I think the one thing you can kind of hang your hat on right now is his durability. So, I mean, even though he hasn't been great, he's still throwing 100 pitches. So, I mean, it's like he can potentially pitch five, six innings, even on nights that he's not sharp. And right now, they need that um, because, you know, they, they can't afford, you know, especially on, on days where Keiko's not doing well or other guys aren't doing well, having back-to-back starts of three or four innings, you need at least one guy that you can rely on to go a little bit deeper into games if, if need be. As the shadow of Zoom begins to hover over us all here on podcast number 37, let's, I guess, turn our thoughts to the game that begins in just mere hours from now and are you all going to be able to watch what is the situation do you have traditions uh what's it going to be Uh, any of you not going to be able to see it and going to have to just hope that you can stay away from i don't know the media enough to uh, not have it spoiled in a rewatch i don't have anything special planned i just know that i will be watching it and my 10-year-old will be looming over it until he has to go to bed. Churros. <laughs> I made those on 
for real just opening, opening day. day, not home opener day. I see. Is it something else or is just forget it? You're, you're on your own. No, it's, oh. I am just not as optimistic as I should be. Therefore, <laughs> you're not going to eat. <laughs> no, no, I'll eat. It's just, it is not a special warm and fuzzy feeling going into this game. It's more of a, I'm going to watch it and I'm probably going to be mad and tweet about it. All right, Joe, I was going to say you need the crash deal keys, but ain't no churros. If you don't smell churros, you keep the car going. You know, Sorry. if you don't smell churros, don't bother knocking. Anybody, uh, anybody else, anybody going to miss it? I will not miss it. I have no super special plans either, uh, but um, the, I will keep the churros in mind for the future. <laughs> and I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm cautiously optimistic, but optimistic nonetheless. It's a, baseball is pretty random when you're looking at individual games for sure. But, you know, it's a game that the White Sox will be favored to win. And I look forward to seeing what they can do against Brad Keller. This is a fastball in Colleen's wheelhouse. Tell us that we should, that we're ridiculous if we're not optimistic. Colleen, we're playing the Royals. Okay. Nobody loves making fun of the Royals more than I do. Like my husband literally just said, he's like, I think you hate the Royals more than you hate the Cubs, which is probably fair. Um, the Royals, like 2015 was a fluke. Like even like they backslid so hard from 2016. And really the only bright point they have right now is that they got Andrew Benatendi. And even then it's kind of like, he's Okay. Like, now he's a really good guy on a shitty team. Um, and really, probably the only other bright spot of 2020 is that Patrick Mahomes bought, like, a corner of the team. So, uh-huh. it's it's not like there was a lot of great moves for them in the offseason. Um, so, I think we're going to be looking at the 2020 Royals with the addition of Andrew Benatendi. Every 30 years, watch out for the Royals. So, 2045, just don't even play the season because they're going to run the table and then they're going to be lousy for the next 29 or 30. It just strikes me that we have one person in the tent. I got to tell you, Central Time Zone is not representing on these group podcasts. Thank you, Colleen, for showing your face. For God's sake, it's all Eastern Time Zone. Okay, my other Eastern Time Zone guys. Suckers. Trevor, Trevor Tommy, <laughs> you're going to be able to catch it. Uh, obviously, a new environment for both of you. Um, so uh, what's that going to be like? Yeah, I'll be uh, just rushing home from work. I'll definitely definitely be back home by the first pitch. I'll be locked in. But I don't have any crazy plans. I don't think I've ever had a churro in my life, so I might need to get on that. Um, but, Yeah. <laughs> The only guy in the Royals lineup that really scares me is Solaire. He's a he's a monster at this point in his career. Keller, I know we all hate him, but um, and he had a terrible start his first time out. But he's actually a, been a pretty solid pitcher. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's kind of a, a pitcher's duel early. Um, I played with Nicky Lopez for a semester at Creighton. Um, I was at Creighton for a semester behind him at shortstop, so I knew I had no chance of playing. Um, <laughs> And uh, he made the team. I, I know he was kind of borderline, but he has been playing shortstop for him. So that'll be cool to see. I know every game they talk about how he's from the Chicagoland area. So I'm sure we'll get one of those on the broadcast too. Now, Tommy, you're going to fly your massive, your ridiculous, your embarrassingly huge uh, Chicago White Sox flag to make passerby go, who is that guy? And he's, that guy? he's really cool. <laughs> 
Pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any special opening day traditions, but I'll definitely uh, tune in to watch it. Um, I actually, I'm going the opposite direction. I think nerves will be running high enough in a game played in front of the home fans that it'll actually be an offensive uh, explosion more so than a pitcher's duel. Um, but looking forward to to the game tomorrow. I think it'll be a fun series. Uh, apparently, this game, again, that starts in just mere hours, uh, it, it might be wet. So it could be a slippery one. That could contribute perhaps to, uh, uh, well, just some weirdness. Probably not Miguel Cabrera hitting a home run that he can't see in a blizzard weirdness. But if it's White Sox and Royals on any sort of opening They're day. Close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have no choice but to watch. I'm doing the coverage for Southside Sox. So even if I want to damn my eyes, I do not get to do that. I am going to conclude this eight day descent into madness with uh, covering the home opener. But listen, I was dumb enough not to count up all the stuff we did in the last week. We put up a ridiculous amount of content and a ridiculous amount of different voices putting that content out, including even spontaneous stuff like Crystal's piece on the Yerminator, just to give him the tip of the cap that he deserved after a record-breaking first start and a guy who we all want to root for and just adore because, and he adores us. That's the thing. He's talking, he probably talks to uh, the White Sox fans via his uh, Twitter account when he talks to Tony, which probably isn't a bad strategy maybe either. But uh, so whether it's the spontaneous stuff or it's our planned coverage, uh, you know, we're going to have a ton. Once the minor league season starts rolling, we got oodles of minor league coverage and certainly uh, Trevor and Joe, if uh, not a number of uh, many others are going to be hopping on that, providing we get that season going and and Tommy gets to uh, travel to some minor league baseball for the first time down the new environs and Trevor gets a seat in his backyard, et cetera, et cetera. So listen, uh, thanks for giving us a huge, huge first week here at uh, Southside Soccer by listening and watching and reading and commenting. It's blown up insanely more than I would have anticipated uh, given that it's been quite a weird ride over the last couple of years with uh, me and us with SB Nation and Southside Sox, but we're back and we're providing an embarrassingly huge amount of riches for you all. And uh, hopefully you are in, enjoying it and uh, we're going to be providing it all season. Maybe not quite wall to wall and days quite as packed where we're putting eight stories out a day, but if this team continues to warrant it, I think we will because then Trevor's going to come up with some new research and Colleen's going to have some new smack talk and another great tribute from crystal. Tommy's doing tons of game coverage and he's going to throw in Joe. He dabbles in everything. He's six packing. He's minor leagues. He's game coverage. He's ridiculous. He's super Joseph Reese's come on. So we got a great crew. A lot of them were afraid to show their faces to you on this pregame show. That doesn't mean they're not excited about opening day. Trust that they are. And hopefully they will show up on the post game. I have got some promises. I've got some assurances that there will be some new faces just mere hours from now on the post game show when we are celebrating a White Sox win. I'm down to less than a minute. So I'm going to thank all of the guests, all you guys. I won't name you Brady's, uh, but thanks. Thanks for being part of this. And hey, see you in just a few hours for the post game show. Take care, everybody.